Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with this message entitled, The Danger of Apostasy. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your revealing to us the knowledge of God, knowledge of the world, and knowledge of us. You are all goodness. You are life. You are the way. You are the truth. Deliver us this morning from the danger of apostasy. Apostasy is to stand away from God who is life, who is light, who is goodness, who is wisdom, who is the way. This is serious danger. Therefore, O God, help us to take all measures to stay close to you. That with St. Paul we may die to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Open our eyes to see wondrous things out of your law this morning. Deliver us from inattention. Help us to pay close attention, very close attention to the word we are hearing so that we may not drift away from the living God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Apostasy. That word means to stand away from. To stand away from God, from life, from all that is good, from light, from wisdom from hope an apostate person is the most miserable person in the whole world hell is full of apostates to stand away from five minutes into my treadmill exercise I get discouraged and want to stand away from it But I endure, I continue through 40 minutes. Some married people are tired and worn out after five years. They want to stand away from. Divorce is apostasy. And divorced person is a miserable person. And we go to work and we want to stay away from work apostasy we want to sleep late we find all sorts of reasons not to go to work and people join church and they get miserable and they want to stand away from the church to become apostate may God help us this morning to learn ways and means to avoid this serious danger of apostasy. 
So let us pay attention to this passage in Hebrews 12, 12 through 17. We learned the Lord pours out wrath upon those who reject his son and his salvation accomplished at the cross. But he does not pour his wrath upon us. He does not discipline the unbelievers, but he disciplines his children that they may share in his holiness, that they may become like God. God from all eternity purposed that his adopted children be holy and blameless, that they may see God and dwell with him forever. So then we must all, by grace, endure our Father's discipline, though it is painful for the moment. Discipline is a demonstration of our relationship to God the Father, and therefore his love. As I said, when I exercise, I want to quit, but I do not. I endure it. And later I feel very happy. And I come to work and my work is very productive. So also the author of Hebrews tells us in this passage to endure God's painful discipline in view of its future blessings. The author resumes the race metaphor. Christian life is a foot race. So he says, let's run the race till we reach the finishing line, not before it. So in view of the good design of God's loving discipline, the author tells us, Let his children strengthen their feeble hands and strengthen their palsied, paralyzed knees and run the race. So the author is applying the teaching on discipline to our life. We have practical application in this text of the doctrine of discipline. First, verse 12 and 13, strengthen, strengthen in the Greek, straighten up the drooping hands and weak knees. Straighten up. In Luke 6, Jesus on a Sabbath day commanded a man with shriveled hand to stretch out his hand, and he did so. And his hand was completely restored. St. Paul tells us the purpose of Scripture. God's very word, 2 Timothy 3.16, is to restore us 
That's what the word correction. It is for correction. That is for restoration. A lot of people don't like rebuke and correction. That's too bad. The scripture is for our restoration. That we may be straightened up from crookedness. The believers in this Hebrew church were discouraged in their Christian life because of what? Trials and persecutions. They were weary and at the point of exhaustion. They were despondent. Look at verse 3 of chapter 12. Consider Jesus. What's the purpose of it? That we may not grow weary and lose heart. And verse 5. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. So these people were losing heart. They were becoming weary. They want to quit before finishing the race and thus become apostates. The phrase drooping hands and weak knees is an idiomatic, stereotypical expression pointing to people who are ready to quit. Quit the race and become apostates. We read in Job 4, verse 3 and 4, Eliphaz speaking to Job. Think how you have instructed many, how you have Strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. Philo uses this expression to refer the wilderness people who rebelled against Moses and wanted to quit and return to Egypt. What is the application here? That the Jewish believers receive strength from the teaching on God's discipline and keep running the Christian race. Don't quit now. We all are tempted to quit. Don't let your hands droop and knees buckle. Keep running. Keep enduring God's discipline. Look to the cloud of witnesses of God's saints. Already ran the race and are with the Lord. But above all, look to Jesus who endured the shameful death of the cross. And learn the purpose of divine discipline. Embrace and endure discipline to enjoy its spiritual benefits later on. I know there are people here and I want to tell you, don't self-pity. Don't sulk. Don't be dismayed and discouraged. Keep your eyes on the finish line. Straighten out your hands. 
and knees. Keep running. Straighten up is a command. It is a present imperative. Straighten up and run this race daily, all your life. If you quit, you are no child of God. The elect of God will run the race to the finish line. God will help him. Don't become weary and faint. We were told to compare your sufferings with that of Christ. And our suffering is but a trifle. There is also suggestion here that the strong believers help the weak ones. That they may not lag behind, but run the race and finish it. And that's what we find in chapter 3. Verse 13, but encourage one another daily. That's why we have small groups. Encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today. So that no one of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And chapter 10 and verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Let all the more as you see the day is approaching. And we see the same idea of helping the strong helping the weak. Romans 15 and verse 1. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. And not please ourselves. Or the book of Galatians. Chapter 6. And verse 1. Brothers if someone is caught in a sin. You who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. The strong, they have an obligation to help the weak so that together we may run the race and arrive at the finish line. The brother of the Lord James tells us in James 5, 19 and 20, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, that's apostasy. Wander from the truth. And someone should bring him back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way. Will save him from death. That is eternal damnation. And cover over a multitude of sin. So now we are told. Straighten up. Your drooping hands and weakness. And secondly. Make Level paths for your feet. Which means choose for yourselves. Straight paths. Level paths. Firm paths. Don't take crooked paths. To the right or to the left. That would dislocate your ankles and prevent you from running the race. That would be apostasy. 
Psalm 125 verse 5 but those who turn to crooked ways the Lord will vanish with evildoers the way of peace they do not know there is no justice in their paths Isaiah 59 verse 8 they have turned into crooked roads no one who walk in them will know peace so we, here we are told, make level paths for your feet. Continuously walk on level paths, firm paths, straight paths, narrow paths that leads to eternal life. Travel all your life on the straight and narrow way of the word of God. Walk on the well-traveled ancient paths. Turn to Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. And here we read. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Walk on the way of your godly father's wise instruction. As we read in Proverbs 4. Walk on the highway of holiness. Isaiah speaks about that in chapter 35. Verse 9, no lion. Verse 8 and 9, and a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast get upon it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Lest you become an apostate. Follow Jesus who is the way. Who opened up for us a new and living way to the Father. Secondly, we are told in verse 14. Pursue, strive, make every effort. If you want to avoid the danger of apostasy. Pursue, strive, make every effort. Be diligent. Again it is a present imperative. Something you have to do continually. Pursue what? Pursue peace. All your life pursue peace. With all men. Especially 
with the people of the Christian community. Make every effort to seek peace and live in peace. St. Paul's in his letter to the Corinthians first letter chapter 1 verse 11 and 12 he says I hear I hear that there are divisions among you and he says Christ is not divided and we could also say the spirit is not divided the father is not divided Christ is not divided our, our God is calling is called the God of peace chapter 13 and verse 20 God of peace God who gives peace God who established peace by the cross our God is God of peace who through the cross of Christ brought peace between God and man and between man and man having been justified by faith in the gospel we have peace with God. Jesus Christ is called the Prince of Peace. The Gospel is called the Gospel of Peace. And the believers are peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. How then can God's children fight with their brothers and sisters? It is ugly to go to a church that is fighting. The psalmist says, David says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. For there, David says, for there, in the place where God's people are living a life of love and unity for they the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore so you can understand what is there where divisions exist there is curse there is death let's turn to Romans 12 and verse 18 Paul himself Paul also tells us the same thing if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, the other person may not want to live in peace. But if it is possible, as far as it is depending on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't be a troublemaker in a family or in God's church. Don't be a source of trouble. Romans 14 verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort. To do what leads to peace. And to mutual edification. Do everything that promotes peace. Sin destroys peace. Sin is self-seeking at the expense of the welfare of the community. Love sacrifices for the welfare of others. How can one look at the cross of Christ and not be at peace with one another? As Christians, let us be filled with the Spirit 
who in us produces the fruit of the Spirit, peace. Hear what St. Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So let there be peace in our families. Let there be peace in the church. Let there be peace in our souls throughout our lives. You heard the saying, it is wrong. You heard the saying, we Irish are a peace-loving people and we will fight to prove it. My son-in-law, he says he's Irish. <laughs> I think it is speaking not about Irish people, but about Bible Christians. Speaking about saints. Let us love peace, pursue peace, do everything to enjoy peace, but not at the expense of the gospel. Secondly, pursue torn hagias mon, the sanctification, the holiness. And again, pursue holiness all of our lives. Present imperative. Theologian Burkhoff, in his systematic theology, defines sanctification. It is the gracious and continuous operation of the Holy Spirit by which he delivers the justified sinner from the pollution of sin, renews his whole nature in the image of God, and enables him to perform good works. In justification, God declares us righteous. In sanctification, God makes us righteous. The justified shall be sanctified and be glorified. He whom God regenerates, he justifies. He whom God justifies, he sanctifies. Sanctification, brothers and sisters, saints of God, Church of Christ. Sanctification is the proof of justification and regeneration. Unholy Christians are unjustified and therefore unregenerate dead in trespasses and sins. This sanctification is a process unlike justification or regeneration. It is a process in which we strive and cooperate with God who sanctifies us. And this sanctification does not reach perfection in this life. 
Yet progressively we shall become more and more and more holy. Like Jesus. We were told God's discipline, that is his painful discipline, brings about holiness. So holiness is inextricably linked to God's discipline. No discipline, no holiness. So let us make pursuit of holiness our great quest. Not the American dream of pursuit of a lot of money and the happiness that money can buy. Turn to First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body. And verse 7, for God did not call us to be impure. That's what some people think today. Fornication is like eating ice cream for them. And God kept me from fornication all my life. By his grace, sir. God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And first John chapter three and verse three. Everyone who has this hope, hope of the second coming of Christ and our being changed into his likeness, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. St. Peter tells the same thing. Second epistle of Peter, chapter 3, 11 and 12. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Holiness is not optional. It is the essential condition of seeing God now by faith and then by sight. Therefore, the writer says, without holiness, no one shall see God. No one shall see the Lord. Chapter 9 and verse 28 speaking about the second coming so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him but without holiness no one shall see God because he is an apostate chapter 10 and verse 25 let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of Christ's second coming. And chapter 10 verse 38, but my righteous one will live by faith and if he shrinks back, 
I will not be pleased with him. Shrinking back is becoming apostate, living an unholy life. Jesus himself said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. In other words, there is no salvation to those without sanctification, those who are unholy. The antinomians shall not see God. On that day, the Lord will say to them plainly, I never knew you depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Be ye holy, for I am holy, is an Old Testament saying. And turn with me to the book, of the last book, the book of Revelation, and chapter 21, and verse 27. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation 22 and verse 15. Outside are the dogs. That is the immoral, unholy. Not inside. In God's presence, outside. It's a reference to hell. And there is a hell. There is an outside. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. But blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city of God. And thirdly, we are told in verse 15, an interesting Greek word, here translated, see to it. But the Greek word from which we have the word episkopos, it is a present participle that all people of God are to function as episkopos, as shepherds. As pastors, we are to run the Christian race pursuing peace and holiness, but we are not to run the race alone. We are running the race together as God's dear children. No Jesus and me, or Jesus and I. It is Jesus and us, the church, the body of Christ, the family of God. So we have responsibility to the rest of God's children. We are responsible for their peace and their holiness and ours. True, the Lord has appointed apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So we must thank God for the ministries of pastors and teachers. God's gifts to the church. We thank God for godly shepherds. 
As chapter 13 of Hebrews verse 17 tells us, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. That is, account to God, obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no profit to you. That means that will be loss. Yet, 15th verse of chapter 12 tells that each believer has also a responsibility of watching over himself and others. A responsibility of functioning as episcopos. So in one sense, each person is a pastor. Each person is a watchman for the welfare of the entire community. So we are told in Ephesians 5.21, be filled with the Spirit, submitting one to another. For the book of Philippians, chapter 3, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, let me read to you. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Each person must make sure the community is healthy, biblically healthy. There is no division. Make sure there is unity. There is peace. There is no heresy. There is no evil in the midst. There is no fornicator in the midst. Cain said, I'm not my brother's keeper, but that's wrong. In the church, we are our brother's keepers. And we need pastoring to keep us from self-deception. In the book of Proverbs, we are told there is a way that seemeth right unto a person. I have seen a lot of people self-deceived. Insisting that their ways are right. But they don't know. The end thereof is way of death. Or chapter 30 of Proverbs verse 12. There are those who curse their fathers. And do not bless their mothers. Those who are pure in their own eyes. And yet are not cleansed of their filth. Self-deception. And so we need other people with some objectivity to tell us that you are full of filth. Clean it up. And we want you to come with us to heaven. Listen to the language of Jesus himself in Revelation chapter 3. Verse 17. You say I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Self-deception. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Self-deception. Turn to Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2. Verse 11 and 12. Listen to this language. For this reason God sends them a powerful delusion. So that they will believe the lie. 
and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. We should not say to our brother or sister who counsels us to live a holy life, we should not say to them, leave me alone. Mind your own business. We cannot leave you alone. We cannot mind our own business. We are people of God. We are a family. We are the body of Christ. Leave me alone. Mind your own business. That may be as American as apple pie, but it is not biblical. Please, don't leave me alone. Counsel me. Help me to pursue peace and holiness. Why is that? I'm not okay. You are not okay. And so we need each other to become okay through Jesus Christ. He tells us also, see to it, make sure not even one fails to have grace of God. Not even one to become an apostate. Not even one turns away from Jesus to Moses, from new covenant to the old covenant. From life to death. From reality to shadow. See to it. Exercise your responsibility. To others. Hebrews 4 verse 1 says. Therefore since promise. Since the promise of entering. His rest still stands. Let us be careful. That no one of you. Be found to have fallen. Short of it. And 4.11, let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Chapter 6 and verse 11, we want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make sure your hope comes short of the grace of God. That means come short of salvation. Come short of rest. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1 asks God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. And Paul speaks about falling away from grace, Galatians 5 4. The danger of, of apostasy. So what should we do? We need more grace. Without grace, we become apostates. We need more grace. Thank God, more grace is available. Chapter 10, verse 29, we have the spirit of grace. Spirit who gives us grace. We have the word of God's grace. Acts 20, verse 32. Thank God 4.16 says we can come to the throne of grace, not of judgment. To receive mercy and find grace for the need of all of our life. Maybe you need grace now and it is coming to you. In chapter 13 verse 9 of Hebrews tells this. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened. By grace. Grace. Strength. You need. To run this race. Without grace we become apostates. Thank God. 
Paul says, though he is given a thorn in the flesh, God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Grace coming to you to meet your every need. And we have means of grace. Let me tell you one of the finest blessings in this church is our interest in reading daily scriptures. And many, many people have been blessed by it. I receive letters from them. How they have been blessed by the daily reading. And if you don't read the word of God daily, if you don't pray daily, if you don't worship God regularly, if you don't fellowship with people of God regularly, if you don't receive the the Lord's Supper regularly, if you don't listen carefully to the preaching of the sermons, these are means of grace. Take advantage of it. He gives grace to the humble that you may receive grace, that we may grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So each one is to watch others that everyone has grace. No one is an apostate. Are you watching? Or are you sleeping? Go home and read Isaiah 56, 9 through 12 if you are uh, sleeping. Then we are told, watch that no bitter root spring up, cause trouble, defiling many. That's a quotation from Deuteronomy 29 verse 18. This bitter root, it has reference to a false brother, an idol worshiper. Living among God's people, pretending to be a Christian. He is anti-Christian. He is an idol worshiper. He appears to be very charming and charismatic. But his true intentions are hidden. As a root is hidden, it is invisible. But soon the root springs up. It manifests itself. The true color of the brother or sister will reveal itself sooner or later. He is like Korah, who influenced many to oppose Moses. They are like the ten spies who brought an evil report and defiled many. Many became rebels, and many were killed. They cause trouble to the church. They destroy its peace and holiness. They stain many. That's the Greek text says. They have diseases of apostasy. They are contagious. They make many apostates. They are like soil number two and soil number three in the Lord's parable of the sower. They become apostates. They bear no fruit and their fruit is bitter. It is poisonous. They go after idols of pleasure and wealth. They murmur and complain. They are like the majority of the wilderness people who because of unbelief did not enter into rest. So, be shepherds of God's people. Keep your eyes open for bitter roots of idolaters and troublemakers in the church. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 
It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not occur even among pagans. Verse 4, when you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan so that the flesh may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. A little east leavens the whole lump. Be careful. Be observant. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 16 and 17. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have wandered away from the truth. They say that, that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Watch out for those people. Troublemakers, idolaters. Have no interest in the word of God. No interest in peace or no interest in holiness. Heretics who practice their immorality. Keep the church biblically healthy, holy, united, and full of peace. And quickly, watch out for sexually immoral people. Today, immorality and fornication is like eating ice cream. And even in the church, sir, in the church! May God raise up young people like Joseph who said, How can I do this wicked thing and sin against God? Flee! All sexual immorality. There is coming a day the Lord will judge the secrets of men's hearts. In chapter 13 of Hebrews verse 4. Magic should be honored by all and the magic bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral who kept in the church. I say bitter un hidden roots defiling many. William Barclay, a liberal theologian, said, if a young man loses his purity or a girl her virginity, nothing can ever bring it back. The choice was made and the choice stands. Our choice has eternal consequences. Young people, keep that in mind. It is our job as shepherds to keep the church pure of sexual immorality. The unrepentant sexually immoral person must be put out of the church. The third mark of the church discipline should be vigorously practiced, especially today when it is deliberately neglected out of fear. And finally, watch out for that profane, godless person like Esau. Bitter root people are in the church. They soon manifest themselves as irreligious, secularist, hiddenists who live to satisfy their bodily desires and not to please God. They are like Esau who rejected his firstborn rights to covenant blessings. He looked at spiritual blessings and he looked at the delicious cup of soup. He traded God for a cup of soup happily. 
Esau was firstborn. He was circumcised, sign of the covenant, but he became an apostate. Keep an eye on such hedonists and secularists. They are fools. They affirm the temporal world, but deny God. They are materialists. They have no interest in God or his word. They live to indulge in their bodily appetites. That's why fasting is a good thing. Fasting is a good thing. Especially in American churches. Fasting is a good thing. These people are allergic to all discipline. They seek pleasure and avoid pain. They leave Jesus for Moses. They live a lust life. They like Judas sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. They like Achan break covenant. For gold and silver they like Demas abandon Paul and Jesus for the good things of this present world. Jesus said what does it profit if you gain the whole world and lose your soul. The rich young ruler was miserable yet he chose his wealth and not Jesus and the eternal life he came to give. So watch out for secularists like Esau and be not like them. They reject God and are rejected by God. They are incapable of true, authentic repentance. They are pigs who trample underfoot the pearl of great price of the gospel. They come into the church. They are to be put out of the church before they destroy the church. Be vigilant, brothers and sisters. Be full of scriptures. Be filled with the spirit. Don't become an apostate. Be like Moses who rejected all his treasures in Egypt. For Christ. Above all look to Jesus. Who refused the devil's offer of all the glories of the kingdoms of this world. He endured the cross for us for the joy that was set before him. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Know the benefits of your present sufferings. It produces holiness with which you will be able to see him on that day. Straighten out. Our drooping hands and weak knees. Receive grace that comes to you. Run the race. Finish the race. Be holy. And you shall see the Lord. And we read in the last chapter of our Bible. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. And they will reign forever and ever. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of his salvation. Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found. There is a time he may be found. There is an opportunity for you now. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Pay more careful attention. Therefore what we have heard. So that we do not drift away and become apostates. To those he would say on that day, depart from me. So let us run. Let's endure. Let's seek peace. Let's seek holiness. Let's watch over one another. Until we all arrive together. In the city of the living God. Where we shall see God face to face. And enter into a life of everlasting joy. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to do just that. 
In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of the sermon entitled, The Danger of Apostasy. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.